0: How can you not be romantic about baseball? We're going a high drive to left! This baby's
1: way back! It is out of here! I don't believe what I just saw! Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird! And it bounces back into fair territory! Oh, I gotta I gotta check the rule book on this
0: one, folks. I'm too drunk to taste this chicken.
1: Our ass is in the jackpot now!
0: You're listening to Booze and Baseball.
1: There's 50 feet of crap,
0: and then there's us. A baseball-first podcast, sort of, featuring
1: Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient
0: is. I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotchy, scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm-hmm. Welcome back into another edition of Booze and Baseball with Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. And uh, we actually have MLB games to talk about. There's been about a week's worth of games. So we have opening week, we have opening weekend, whatever you want to call it, um, in the books. And because of that, we're going to do our opening week over reactions this week, which will be exciting because, you know, it's only been whatever, seven, eight games over the course of the season. So it's a perfect time to overreact. It's like we saw one week of the football season um, into the MLB season. And, you know, you have certain guys who are hot. You have certain guys who are cold. You have teams who may have surprised you with a great start. And honestly, will it matter at the end of the season? Will all these things hold the form? Absolutely not. But it's fun to overreact early in the season. But before we get going into our overreactions, Dusty, what is uh, on the ledger for you tonight in terms of what you're drinking?
1: Well, I'm going to let our uh, listeners overreact to yet another week of Dusty with a weak drink. Um, <laughs> I uh, <laughs> We are doing this uh, recording right after my 11 o'clock show. And so – uh, it's very late for both of us. And so what did I do? Well, uh, on these nights that we do this, I have to get dinner at the last second. I went to uh, none other than the Habit Burger. And so mm. at the Habit, they sell obviously their combos with Pib Extra. So I snagged a nice Pib Extra and I got as lazy as possible, pulled out of Jack Daniels and, you know, just basically doused my Pib Extra to the point where I can't even taste it. So it's it's what I like to call the the Pib Jack. Well, but I will make better drinks. I I up. I, Promise for this season. It's just opening day for us right now. What about you? I, the sad thing is that
0: that might be like a middle tier drink for what you've had <laughs> so far on the show this year. I I like the I don't never done like Mister Pib and whiskey. So I guess you just call it like a Mister Jack instead of Mister Pib.
1: You could do a Mister Jack. I I feel like because Pib extra, it's it's. Mm-hmm what drink out there is pib there's nothing else so no. i gotta throw that name in there somehow like the pib jack just seemed to to go off but i, I kind of like uh what you just threw out there too it, it kind of seems right jack. but maybe for our listeners go ahead and tweet it us tell us which is the right uh right way to do it because i honestly can't tell you i will say if you never had pib extra before okay it's basically like a and it sounds weird but it's like a spicy dr pepper
0: this might be unpopular. I actually like Mr. Pib more than Dr. Pepper, and I also don't know why it's Pib Extra because I've never seen just like Pib Regular. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm looking in the wrong place. All right, <laughs> what I'm drinking is the Pompeii India Pale Ale. Get a load of that baby!
1: Ooh, I like that. Where um, is that based out of?
0: It is Toppling Goliath, uh, that same brewery I've had the last couple of weeks. guess i'm just sticking with there um the description on here india paleo is brewed with the same attention to details the beautiful mosaics that grace the walls of the prominent buildings in the city of pompeii it features mango and pineapple hop flavors with a medium bodied feel to tantalize the senses have you ever
1: been to pompeii
0: um yes i have
1: wow so does after that sip right there do you feel like you just went back in time over there to uh to that site you're at the top of Mount vesuvius i feel like right now
0: yeah, I just uh, I tasted it, and it was ashy. It tasted like blown-up dirt, and uh, it's kind of weird. No, it's actually delicious. That's the first time I've ever tried that, and that will be drank many times now in the Johnson household. Uh, so the Pompeii India Pale Ale. Um, Nothing like better that.
1: than an ashy beer. That's all I wanted. <laughs> when, when I get a description, it's ashy. That's exactly what I go for. But glad that you're uh, on your little trip to Italy right now. All right, the way that
0: I would describe that Pompeii India Pale Ale, it was a nice surprise to the start of this show. That's how I would describe Craig Kimbrell this year. So with that beautiful segue that I just created, let's get into our opening week overreactions. We're going to do a flight, which is obviously when you get a flight, you're getting a bunch of like little sampler um, beers or whatever. I guess you get a flight of whatever you wanted. So this is going to be just like a small overreaction, probably the most realistic. Then we'll do a pint overreaction a growler overreaction and then an Edward 40 hands because that's a lot of ounces there so that'll be like our our most bizarre loudmouth overreaction uh good enough to be on like first take I guess would be that one um so for my flight overreaction I mentioned Craig Kimbrell Craig Kimbrell is back he is not only back but my small overreaction he's back to being a top five closer in the MLB the way that he's looked I know it's a small sample size But this is a guy who was that top five closer from, what, like 2015 to maybe 2018 or something like that. And you look at the advanced metrics. He is 97th in max exit velocity against, 99th percentile in hard hit percentage against. He is literally the top pitcher in expected on-base average against and expected ERA, 98th percentile in expected batting average, 99th in expected slugging, 100th percentile in K-rate, um, 90th percentile in whiff rate, 98th percentile on chase rate. He looks like the guy that we were accustomed to seeing. He hasn't given up a run this year. Again, like I said, small sample size. It's only been four games. But he hasn't even given up a hit or a walk so far. He has nine strikeouts. He has a couple saves. I thought that Craig Kimbrell Kimbrel was kind of like his career was going to start to go on the decline. But this so far looks like maybe even the best version of him that we've ever seen.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see moving forward how that works. Uh, you know, you mentioned small sample size. Also on top of that, you know, he plays for a team that's not really putting himself in a lot of opportunities for high-stress high, high stress situations. Either they're losing significantly like they did to the Pirates on Sunday um, or, you know, they have a cushy lead against the team like the Pirates. I, I just feel like you've got to give them a little more time. Uh, but the numbers speak for themselves. It's not like we should be shocked that Kimbrel, uh makes a comeback. He has elite stuff. I think he realized that, you know – these past couple of years, he's kind of lost a touch for it a bit. And so um, you never know what happens in that short season. You can't really take it for granted uh, for some players that includes players like JD Martinez for my flight, man, this guy, I think he's an elite hitter once again. And so, uh, you know you look back at last year, and that was a significant drop off for him in that sixty game stretch. He only hit seven home runs he had a two thirteen average and I think the biggest detail, telling detail was that his slugging percentage was three eighty nine um, <laughs> You look at it now it 's basically over a thousand he 's already coming off a three home run game he 's got five home runs on the season um, he had three home runs of course, on Sunday against Baltimore as well and yes, Camden yards is a launching pad, yes, Baltimore may not have the best pitching, but My goodness, JD Martinez has been an absolute machine. He's been an RBI machine. Uh, Believe it or not, he's had an RBI in all but one game, and that would be opening day. After opening day, which the Red Sox were shut out by the Orioles three to nothing, JD Martinez, here's his list. He had one RBI, two RBIs, three RBIs, three, two, one, and then how about four on Sunday, with three of those being home runs as well uh he went four for six that day so jd martinez maybe back to the elite level that we kind of expected from him and i really don't think it's a huge throw off i mean look at his season prior to 2020 this was considered a down year for him when he hit 36 home runs of course the previous two years he had 43 and 45 yaks so uh the rbi totals i think are going to come back he still is in a pretty solid lineup as well he's somebody to actually buy moving forward One of the things about
0: Martinez that maybe this was what led to the downturn last year and is leading back to an increased list this year. Last year, they didn't have um, the in-game video available for the players. He has been a guy that has very much noted His use of that, not really as much to study the pitchers, more so to study himself. See what he's doing right or wrong with his swing. That's back now. So I do think those two things kind of correlate a little bit, and I do like that one for your flight. Okay, my pint. This is going to be kind of a normal amount, maybe a slight overreaction, but again, not kind of bordering into that hot take uh, type of necessarily area. Tim LaCastro. Do you know who Tim LaCastro is? He was a uh, former Dodger, actually. An interesting player. He uh, is 28 years old. He plays for the Diamondbacks, where he's played since 2019. Um, and he's getting a lot of run this year for Arizona after playing only about half the time in his first couple years with the Diamondbacks. My pint-size overreaction to week one, Tim Lecastro is already the best base stealer in the MLB. And that includes Billy Hamilton. And you might say, oh, Billy Hamilton, you know, he just – he can't get on base. That's, that's what's killing him. But you look at Billy Hamilton's steal totals, and when he does get on base, it's just like automatic steals. And you see like Jazz Chisholm stealing second and third base in a game earlier this week. But Tim LaCastro is 28 for 28 on steals to start his career. That is a new MLB record. He has a 99 speed in MLB the show. And guess what? They clocked MLB players for how fast they are in terms of like uh, feet per second or one of those metrics and he was the fastest. So I'm going to say, even though maybe the steel numbers aren't there because of opportunity, Tim LaCastro is the best st- base dealer in the MLB.
1: Yeah. I don't think that that's even, you know, to me, that, that could almost be a flight. I mean, this guy literally flies down the bases. Uh, I mentioned he was with the Dodgers. Um, they significantly used him only as a pinch runner though. And so, Um, I mean, you look at his career in 2019, he had 17 stolen bases. And uh, how many games did he actually play in? He played in like 91. I mean, that's actually ridiculous. If you consider that uh, the limited at-bats that he had, um, limited plate appearances, it basically means that anytime he gets on, he's taken off. So I I like that one a lot. Uh, On my end, uh, this is a a man that I picked up in fantasy the moment that uh, he went eight for eight. Uh, it's my man, your mean Mercedes. Uh, I do believe, and uh, this, this could be a bit of a push, but my point is that he's going to finish in the AL in the top five and on base percentage. This man, even when he has his down days, he still finds a way to get on base. Um, of course, as I mentioned, he opened going eight for eights. Uh, he has power. He does not have any speed whatsoever, but man, he is a big guy that covers a lot of space in the zone, but he covers it. Uh, And it's very impressive to see what he started out with so far. Um, You talk about average, he's hitting over 500 right now. And his on-base percentage is over 500 on top of that. And that's why I kind of think that this is something that could stay. He only had one plate appearance in 2020 and so truly this is his rookie year Um, he could be a rookie of the year candidate the way that he started he's already led with 15 hits I mean this guy has legitimate pop he's got a really good stick Uh, I just think the big problem that he's going to have to deal with is um, you know finding a spot in that lineup day in day out but I think that because of the injury to Eloy uh, obviously Tim Anderson hit the shelf as well we're going to see your mean actually step up and possibly be moved up in the lineup if he continues to do what he's doing
0: I like that. And I mean, he is a guy with at least enough pedigree in the minors. You know, the reason that he was never like popping up on these top 50 lists for prospects and stuff like that, and kind of flew under the radar. It wasn't because his hitting. It was because of necessarily his fielding or what the fit would be, but it kind of works out um, that he can just kind of DH because he does just smash the baseball. So I, I really like that one. Um, and I like your mean Mercedes. All right. My growler. This is, you're not familiar what a growler is there's growlers and crowlers i always forget what the difference between the two is i think crowlers are like the can and the growlers are like the jugs um but basically they're both i think 32 ounces something like that of beer that you sounds can get right go. i'm googling
1: it as we speak
0: okay um so this is more of a now we're kind of starting to overdo it this is probably an overreaction it's been just one week but you know maybe you can find a little truth in it and mine is going to be the Byron Buxton, is going to be the MVP in the American League. You could have got him, if we would have had him a week ago or whenever we did our betting preview, we could have got him at 60-1 to to win American League MVP. And, you know, now he's just raking. He's smashing the baseball. Like, you look at numbers like exit velocity and expected batting average, things like that. He's at the top of the MLB in both of those designated categories. He's showing a lot of power. Um, how about this? He's hitting 556 right now against fastballs. And if you're wondering, oh, we'll just throw him a bunch of off speed pitches. Well, he hit 356 against breaking pitches last year. He's hitting 364 against breaking pitches this year. This feels like one of those situations where it's like this guy was the number two pick in the draft it just didn't really come together for him in the early years. And it wasn't really because of how he played. It was just due to injury and who knows if he'll be able to hold on for the full season or at least enough of a season. You know, if you, if you get 135, 140 games out of Byron Buxton, I think you feel great about that. And if he can do that, I think he does have a real shot at winning the AL MVP. I know it's, maybe ludicrous to say when Mike Trout is still alive and active for the angels, but the way he started, he's showing power. He obviously has the speed to get steals. He's on a good team. They should be a playoff team. He's going to get runs. I I really like Byron Buxton. That's going to be my growler overreaction that he's going to win MVP.
1: I think that the uh, the growler actually weighs more than he does. Yes, it's 32 (laughs) ounces. Uh, Byron Buxton, for those of you that don't know, he can also fly down the base pass. He has a stolen base on the season. Uh, That might grow as well. I do think that he's got a lot of competition to deal with. He will potentially end up as one of the the better candidates moving forward but as Derek and I kind of discussed prior to this podcast the big thing that is always the Achilles heel for Byron Buxton is injuries Um, and so he's going to have to find a way to stay healthy here and play at least 150 games if he wants a real chance especially when he's in the league with two angels in particular I think Mike Trout and Shohei Otani are really going to be you know, giving a lot of players a run for their money. When you tell me that a guy can possibly hit twenty five, thirty home runs like Otani and also get wins on the hill, that is going to be very difficult to compete against unless you're the best player in baseball, Mike Trout. So I it is a bit of a stretch, but uh it's not out of this world crazy, um, which will be our next round. But for me, I think uh one that is kind of kind of an interesting one to look at. This is a name that we were familiar with during the Cleveland Indians competing times, if you will. Uh, Tyler Naquin has decided to uh, take his talents over to Cincinnati, and he's doing pretty much exactly what he did when he was a rookie with the Indians. I'll take you back to 2016, the year the Indians lost to the Cubs. Sorry if you're an Indians fan listening. I try not to remind you of that. But he hit 14 home runs. He stole six bases, but he had a 296 average, and he slugged five fourteen in just – uh, 365 plate appearances. So give him a nice long season. He's probably hitting around 20-ish home runs and stealing 10, 15 bases. Then he just completely fell off in 26, 27, 28 years old. Um, left Cleveland after a dismal 2020 season, which he hit only 218. But he comes back here. He's hitting over 300. He's slugging over 900, Derek. And he also led the league this past week in home runs as well, along with jd martinez ryan mcmahon he was right there in that conversation Uh, so i think he's maybe as of right now the best leadoff hitter in baseball and so uh Yeah, that's probably if you were sitting in your car and you just heard that, you just halted for a moment. Yeah, there's a lot of great baseball players leading off right now, and I'm sure you could go through the list. That includes Mookie Betts. I will say Mookie Betts did not actually lead off for half of these games this past week because of a back injury. Um, So for the time being until Mookie steps back in the box, I think Tyler Naquin might take the cake for the best leadoff hitter to start the 2021 season uh, after a ridiculous beginning because this guy has absolutely tore the cover off the ball. Um, along with his buddy over there in Cincinnati, Nick Castellanos. Yeah,
0: he already has five barreled baseballs this year. He had nine all of 2020. (laughs) He's hitting it really hard, and uh, that Reds lineup, I'm glad we got somebody in from the Reds because – they're scoring at an insane rate which is so funny because last year they just couldn't score runs like that was their downfall and I thought they kind of underachieved I thought they had more talent than that last year but I didn't expect this them to be one of the best lineups that's what they've been so far in the entire MLB and it's it's interesting with Naquin like if you look at his career stats whenever he plays less games in a season he does worse I don't know if there's something to that about like continuity or something Um, but like Okay, 2020, only plays 40 games. He hits 218. Uh, 2018, he plays 61 games. He hits 264. 2017, he only plays 19 games. He hits 216. In his two most uh, played seasons, I guess, 116 games in 2016, hits 296. In 2019, he plays 89 games, which are the second most he's ever played in a season by almost 30 games. He hits 288. So I wonder if for him it's just opportunity and getting consistent repetitions, and it seems like... He should have that. I don't, I don't know. We'll see what happens when like uh, the Reds, all their outfielders are healthy and if it's harder to um, kind of split up those at bats, but so far he has been really good. Okay. I'll give uh, you this... a
1: pat on the back real quick, Derek. I do have to give this. If you listen to our last show, um, we did obviously our odds. Uh, and so I had said, watch out for the Red Sox so far. I'm feeling all right about that one. Derek had hit on the Reds heavily and I just didn't feel like that was uh, going to go the right way. And, At least for this first overreacting week, man, they look really good right now. So, Derek, uh, you're probably feeling pretty good about that one bet, I would imagine, out of all of them. Yep, Reds are
0: winning the division. That's another week one overreaction. Um, All right, on to our Edward Forty hands. So, this is your dumbest, loudest, most bizarre overreaction. All right, here we go. Nelson Cruz, Zach Granke, Justin Verlander, they're all going to be all-stars in whatever league they're in in the year 2025.
1: Yeah, I wish that there was a parlay so I could ignore it and not lose my money on that one. <laughs> I mean, Nelson Cruz just continues to hit baseballs.
0: That's what he does. Like, when is it going to stop? I don't know. Zach Granke, um, he just continues to be a good pitcher, and he's so good at locating that. Like, I could see Zach Granke being the type of pitcher who pitches till he's 47 or something. Like, he's the next Jamie Moyer, except better. And then Justin Verlander, that's that's the one that I'm probably going too far out on a limb here. Um, I don't know how he'll react to getting a a season long injury and having surgery at this late in his career. It, it's not young, but prior to that happening, I kind of viewed Verlander as that like Nolan Ryan ilk, where it's like he's still throwing mid 90s or higher when he's in his late 30s. Like maybe he could be a guy who pitches till he's 45. And Nolan Ryan pitched till he's 45. And I think the reason he had to retire was because. He had to get Tommy John or had some other arm injury that basically he didn't want to come back from when he was that old. Um, so I don't know if that'll be the case with Verlander, but I think all three of those guys are just like ageless wonders. So Cruz, Granky, Verlander, all all-stars in 2025. That's my Edward 40 stupid prediction.
1: You know, when you look at Nelson Cruz, I do want to comment on that one in particular. I think the funniest thing is looking at his recent history, just his stats. Okay, he he started, he joined the league in age 24, didn't really have a lot of plate appearances, only had seven in 2005. Yeah, we're talking 2005 is when he entered the league. But then in 2006 until 2013, okay, remember, in that stretch, the Rangers, the team he was playing for that whole time, they made it to the World Series in 2010 and 2011. Well, he only hit at most throughout that time 33 home runs in 2009. And I say at most, that's still a pretty good number. But it hits 2014. He goes to Baltimore, hits 40 home runs, goes to Seattle, has 44, 43, 39, 37. And at 2019, and I am age 38 is when he had 41 home runs, 2020 of obviously 16 because of the shortened season, which is still ridiculous, and 214 plate appearances. The dude already is four. I mean, this guy is an absolute machine. His career total home run number, by the way, is 421. This dude is going to hit 500 home runs. So I Does he get 600? Does he get six bills? I think he could get there. I, I I mean, if he's at this rate, this guy's going to play until he is 45 and probably will be an all-star. So yeah, that would not shock me. Is uh, that Grinke? You know, he's a pitcher. It's going to be really difficult to keep that arm going. And Justin Verlander probably has at most two more years. You do have this on recording, so you can use this against me at any time you want now, but uh, I don't see Justin Verlander really making it past 2022 is my guess. I think that he's probably done after next year. Uh, he's got a lot of great things to go home to. So, uh, but on my ends, uh, I'm looking at teams overall and I'm going to just say it right now, the Orioles and the Red Sox and the Mariners, they all look like total playoff teams and for Orioles fans out there, I am telling you, they look like playoff teams through these first week and a half. Uh, I'm not saying they will make it, but man, They look like a playoff team. The way that lineup is kind of coming together. I really like what Mullins has been able to put together. Trey Mancini, what a story he is coming back and uh, producing already. Uh, I don't think a lot of people really saw that coming initially. Um, The Red Sox, though, are going to be their biggest competition so far in that division. That might be the craziest thing I will say is that it's a fight between the Orioles and the Red Sox when everybody thought it would be the Yankees and the Blue Jays. The Red Sox look good. Um, That pitching rotation – It's not the deepest in the world, but Iavaldi has come back down to kind of what we expected from him after that 2018 World Series. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, as long as he can stay healthy, he's a mainstay there. Let's not forget Chris Sale is on the shelf right now. If he can come back and pitch even remotely similar to what he was able to do in the past – that's a dangerous team to look at there. Like you could even see Chris Sale being, you know, eased into it as their closer. Uh, that's a potential thing just to get him reps early on. You never know. There's a lot of directions Alex Cora will take. And Kike Hernandez looks good. He looks like he's fitting well in uh, the Red Sox after a couple rough games. He, he kind of has turned it around a little bit. And as I kind of mentioned earlier in this podcast, it sounds like that lineup is going to be pretty scary, one through five, maybe six. Uh, with Christian Vasquez also in there as well. If Bobby Dalbick can get that bat going, that is a scary lineup across the board. Um, and then as for the Mariners, I think that you're going to see once Kyle Lewis comes back and once Jared Klenick is called up and possibly Julio Rodriguez as well, that's a scary team to at least compete with in the American League West, a division that, yeah, the Astros and the Angels look good, but watch out, watch out. The Mariners pieces have not all shown up yet. And so that's dangerous. Okay,
0: uh, so those are our week one overreactions. We're going to finish out with our shotgun six-pack. This is going to be six questions, only quick answers, our speed round here. Did you see Boston City Connect jerseys? And I did. I did. Okay, the question here, are they worse than their baseball team?
1: Yes, absolutely. They look terrible.
0: Yeah, and like you said, the baseball team actually looks good, so that makes it a higher bar. Um, are they worse than their baseball team last year?
1: Yes, absolutely. Okay. I, I think those are the worst. Those jerseys are hideous. They don't even look like the Red Sox at all. I don't I don't understand what, what they're even trying to go for here. It's a really bad look overall. The
0: AL winner is going to come out of the AL West.
1: No. I think that you're going to possibly see that AL winner come out of the American League Central still. I think that – those Indians, they look all right. I don't think that they have enough in the tank to do that. Uh, I'm still kind of pulling for the White Sox in that division, but man, the Twins are going to be a tough competition, and I think the Royals are going to sh- like shock some people here. Um, that that Central looks not too too shabby right now. Yeah,
0: Astros six and three though, Angels six and three. They're hanging around, and I mean literally, if you're basing it off the best record in the American League, those both are you know tied first. So. Uh I'll say yes. I'll go out on a limb. I'll say yes on that. Although it does scare me a little bit that most of the Astros wins are against the A's, which yeah. at this point A's look like one of the worst teams in the MLB. <laughs> uh okay, our friend, I won't name names in our fantasy baseball league, who benched Ryan McMahon's three home run and double game. Should he be shot out of a cannon into the sun?
1: Absolutely he should. <laughs> I mean, but what, what kind of human being does that? And anyways, <laughs> Even if Ryan McMahon was started on his team, I would still shoot him out of a cannon into the sun.
0: (laughs) I agree. Although, no, I'll say no, because I was actually playing him this week. So, uh, it's good for me. So, uh, if anything, I should be thanking him. Uh, The Home Run Derby, now that they're moving the All-Star game from Atlanta to Colorado, we're going to get the Home Run Derby in Colorado, which at least that's exciting. That's going to result in the best Home Run Derby we've seen at least since, let's say, 2010.
1: I'm going to say yes with a TBD, and the reason why is because you know how some of the best hitters in the league will sit out. Well, I still need to see the field first, but if you're telling me that Juan Soto is going to be there with Vlad Guerrero Jr., and they're going to go head-to-head and see who can hit a ball farther with about a 1,000-plus feet in the air, I mean, come on, like what – you're, that's like a gift to a baseball heaven right there. I, I we're we're closer to baseball heaven than we ever were before hitting at Coors Field, right? And uh so I'm I'm excited for that. I do think that it's probably going to be regardless of the field a really good one, but I mean if I'm seeing Juan Soto in that lineup, I will be sitting back with my popcorn. Um and just a uh, you know one that I would love to see as just a casual guest on board, Pablo Sandoval. I know that Derek yes. would love to see that one as well. Just to bring the Pablo back out there, the panda and see how far he can hit a ball in course. He's done that a lot um, to give him a chance there. The the bench man that does everything for the Braves now, that that would be kind of awesome.
0: Do you remember the year it was in Kansas City and uh, Robinson Cano was deemed, they had like captains at the time. I don't remember if they still do the captain thing, where they basically picked the other home run derby participants in their designated league. And Robinson Cano was the guy who was in charge of that for the American League. And, you know, typically you want to get like one guy if obviously there's somebody who's at least relatively good enough from the hometown city to go participate in the home run Derby. And so that year, Billy Butler, I mean, he was, he was a good player. Um, Everybody wanted Billy Butler in the thing. He chose not to give Billy Butler the last spot. I forget who he gave it to. I want to say it was another Yankee, but I don't know that may be wrong. And uh, so the entire time Robinson Cano was up in the home run Derby in Kansas city, they booed him the entire time. That never happens in a home run derby. He, you know how many home runs he ended up with? Zero. A big goose egg after he was booed the whole time.
1: The crowd I don't know friends. why
0: I'm bringing up this story, but <laughs> basically to say, I think you need somebody from Colorado in it uh, if you're going to do it in Colorado. And I was trying to think who that person would be. I think Trevor Story would be the most likely player. But hypothetically, let's say Trevor Story's traded before the deadline. Who would that player even be for the Rockies?
1: Oh, I got one easy for you, Derek. It just goes right back to that that question or answer just a couple ago. You got to put the man Ryan McMahon out there. You got (laughs) to give McMahon a chance. Let him go for the stars out there. This guy is killing it right now. Um, Charlie Blackman looks pretty good, but he's not as much of a power hitter, so you're not going to see the ball carry out like McMahon will do. That McMahon is a McMahon. You want the McMahon out there. Uh, Give me some McMahon baseball. I would love to see that. Uh, Have him stand next to my man Juan Soto out there and uh, see what he could do. I I think that would be a great fit as well.
0: Okay, last one. Nate Lowe will be the Rangers' biggest trade chip at the trade deadline.
1: No, I think that Nate Lowe will end up getting an opportunity to stay in Texas. Uh, He's the only guy that they really have right now that's truly producing consistently. And, you know, at this point in time, you can't let a guy like that that's still incredibly young – like Nate Lowe go away, Um, sure, his value will be higher. uh, But whether it be extending him, whether it be – um, letting him kind of stay on on that side to start to mentor a new group, which is kind of the goal. You, you want to make sure you build a team around a face. Uh, Josh Young is going to be coming up soon in that organization. He's going to need somebody to look up to. How about a guy that's had a battle, a guy that's had to wait for his turn, a guy that was part of a World Series team but didn't really have a chance to contribute. Um, Nalo has a lot of knowledge to give at a young age. I believe he's 25 years old. Um, and so he could be a leader of this team for the future. I think that Texas is probably not going to be too involved at the trade deadline. Um, but at the end of the day, that, that's one name that should not be available. And I've been very heavy in terms of saying that the Rangers needed to be active with trading chips. I think that Joey Gallo will be a better piece to trade uh, than a guy like Nate Lowe.
0: All right. That's going to do it for the show. It's closing time. Don't forget to subscribe to us, give us a five star review. We're on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Audible. Uh, you can also follow us on social media. We're at booze and baseball, and you can reach out to our email booze and at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions for alcohol to review, uh, for anything you want us to talk about a mailbag, if you have any questions, Thanks to Mixkit for the stock music. Also, thank you to our sponsor, Man Cave Merch, for our coasters. Again, getting us through the baseball season with a perfect baseball-related coaster. All these awesome Giants baseball players in my coaster so I can see them, read the stats on the back every time that a Giants game is going on, and I'm waiting for the pitching switch to occur.
1: It's saving my wood at my new apartment, and I really am thankful for Man Cave merch. Thank you right now. My, my empty drink is currently sitting on a Man Cave merch over there. It's out of reach, and I'm not going to show you guys, but it's on a, on a Russell Martin Man Cave merch coaster, so it looks pretty good. But, hey, what a way to start off the season, Derek. We have opening day baseball. You know, we've had a really difficult time over this last year, but we finally have a sense of normality. Um, and so, finally, we have something to talk about every week and hopefully like we had mentioned earlier at the start of the show, we're hoping for some consistency. So keep an eye out for us. Make sure to subscribe as Derek mentioned and tell a friend about it and drink responsibly and have a good one for Dusty Baker. I'm
0: Derek Johnson. Later.